I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to It Never Gets Old a firsthand account of all things secondhand, consignment, resale, vintage, and sustainable, because the future of fashion is nothing new. I am your host, Meredith Feynman, and I am joined by my producer and bestie in the Westie, Sarah Lane. Hi, Mare. How are you? Well, it's week eight of quarantine when we're recording this, and I'm cracking up. I made applesauce yesterday, so that's my treat of the week. But like, someone was like, you did what? I'm impressed. I like applesauce, but I don't know the first thing about making it. So it's actually quite easy. Hi, welcome back to Meredith and Sarah's like easy recipes <laughs> podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, so I have a lot of tummy trouble and I like in addition to, you know, whatever the hell else is killer bees and and corona, hope everyone is staying home and staying safe and we have a lot of new listeners um cuz we're on the Apple Podcast homepage. Oh, yeah. So we have a whole backlog. It's we've done a whole year of these. Uh you can listen to us shoot the shit about many many secondhand shopping uh topics. Anyway, sensitive tummy and one of the few things you can eat when you have like a lot of digestive issues is applesauce and I didn't have any and I didn't want to go to the grocery store because I'm afraid of going to the grocery store and I had apples and I was like okay and honestly it took a half hour all you have to do is like peel which I had like a vegetable peeler and like cut up the apples take out the cores like cut them up put in like quarter cup of sugar and three quarters cup of water and like cook them for 20 minutes and I put some cinnamon in there and stuck it in the Vitamix and then I had applesauce. All right. Well, you have inspired me. Maybe I'll do that next now that I have officially eaten oh, I don't know, 12 big loaves of a banana bread. Uh, <laughs> and I live alone, so it's just me. So, uh, like this, this, this is like the, you know, pandemic banana and bread making. <laughs> there was a great tweet that was like, have people never like had bread before like coronavirus? Which is like partially true. I feel like people are like, no, I need carbs. And then Corona was like, bread only, I'm going to make it. But I haven't had any banana bread this pandemic. I'm not really a banana bread fan, but I would taste your banana bread, Sarah. Oh, thanks, Mary. It's really good. I mean, I, I have you. 
I have cornered this market for, again, myself, but it, it is pretty delicious. Yeah, so everyone is making banana bread. Like, you know, there's a run on probably bananas and eggs and all these baking supplies. If you're, you know, lucky enough to be in a position where you can hang out and, and make things like applesauce. So, yeah, yeah, but let's let's get into it. Part two on sneakers. And in the last episode, in part one, we talked a lot about like real sports, not real, but I guess more athletic brands like a Nike and Adidas and maybe very, very occasionally Reebok and how to think about buying and selling those secondhand and what those industries look like and how to get your hands on them for less. I really obsess over things as I would imagine listeners know at this point. And if I like I want something or someone else really wants something like I cannot stop. And so I decided I wanted new workout shoes. Um, this part two is more about designer sneakers, but going back to Nike and Adidas, I have lost my mind trying to find secondhand like Nike or Adidas sneakers that I want to work out in at home, obviously working at at home. I've lost it. Well, is it because they're difficult to find or, you know, like what's 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 the losing your mind part of it? So they're not difficult to find. I have this thing where like. If you told me that an unbelievable jacket was $700, I'd be like, okay. If you told me an unbelievable sweater, uh, I'm trying to think of other things I hate spending money on. Anything furniture related was $700, I'd be like, you're out of your fucking mind. Um, there are some things I love to spend so much on and then there are things I don't want to spend any money on. And so I don't want to spend any money on workout shoes, but then I decided I really wanted cute workout shoes because I've been doing, you know, there's lots of like streaming fitness happening right now. And I take my long alone quarantine walks with the mask on, stay away from people, reverse Pac-Man. I don't know. I wanted cute ones and then they're expensive. They're not cheap secondhand if they're new in the box because like I don't care about used anything, obviously, but when it comes to sneakers and working out, like you want them to support your feet and not be molded to someone else's feet. That's the number one thing I have with shoes in particular, and especially shoes that you might be running in or otherwise like beating down, is the grossness factor doesn't apply to me. I'm like, I don't care. You know, as long as they're not super beat up and I get them for a discount. But when you run on the wrong shoes, and I do, I do a lot of jogging, it's like you can't run. I mean, you're going to hurt yourself. So that it is really important. Well, and it's actually frustratingly. So I always get my sneakers, my workout sneakers, like Adidas or Nike, like regular workout running shoes. I don't run. I avoid running at all costs. Um, But I usually get them at like Buffalo Exchange or Crossroads, which don't have online shops. And all I want to do is go to either of those places. But that's where I've gotten all of my previous workout shoes. And I get them like secondhand, but they're basically, for the most part, brand new, the ones I find, because I want them to be supportive. And you really have to try them on. So anyway, I'm like, I don't know. I've I've just been obsessively looking at like running shoes and I want them to be cute and I want them to be cool, but I don't want to pay near retail. And those really retain value if they're like a cute, cool shoe. So like, listen, I'm just going to bang my head against the wall and it'll give me something to do this weekend. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> a task, a task. Well, good um, for you. Let us know how it goes. I will. So let's get into designer sneakers. So this was like not a thing. At least for women. This and but really at all. This was not a thing until I would say about six or seven years ago when sneakers really went from just a streetwear or a workout thing to like getting into athleisure and people wearing yoga pants around to then designers wanting in on the action that people were trending away from heels. Um and I remember the first 
fashion sneaker I saw, it must have been like 2012 or 2013, was the Isabel Morant sneakers, which I've subsequently, I found a pair for you, Sarah. Indeed you have. And it is one of the best talking points uh, that I I bring out every so often, you know, where people go, what? What are those? Because they're kind of crazy, but they're cool looking. And yes, this was pre- uh, it never gets old. Meredith found me these shoes that I wanted, but I didn't really know how to get them for not like a million dollars. And you did that for me. It, I think still think about them. Great joy. Sarah gets it. It's really easy for me if Sarah ever wanted like different kinds of shoes because she has small feet. What do you wear? Five and a half? Five? Six. Six. Yeah, five and a half sometimes. But like, but those are, those are hard. A lot, you know, I'm a very typical size, which is like an eight and a half, an eight, eight and a half, nine. Um, and those sell quickly, but the sixes stay. So you can get really good stuff if you have like really small feet or much larger feet. Anyway, uh, Isabel Morant sneakers, I remember seeing them. Like, Isabel Morant is just a cool woman. She just like definitely has so much of the like French je ne sais quoi, like just cool, just, just has it and she made these sneakers with heels in them which in i think they came out probably in like 2011 um and they defined so much of like the early 2010s i feel like those were the first sneakers and then everyone started wearing them and models wore them and influencers and celebrities wore them and people just started to get into sneakers um because they're comfortable and then every other designer like came running in like what designer sneaker is on your mind Sarah or do you remember in particular well I mean the the Moran sneakers were great for me because like you said I have small feet I'm also small so if you can hide a heel in something that's like relatively comfortable no I'm not going jogging in these shoes but like they look like sneakers but I also got three inches off of them that's amazing. Nike, I have a pair that do the same thing. I mean, that whole kind of like hidden heel where it's not, you're not faking that there isn't a heel. It's a, it's, its own look. But that became very, you know, standard. That's like a standard fashion thing. Well, and what's better than like, I mean, I love sneakers. And then you also get like a tiny inch or two boost, which then shortly thereafter, I guess Nike did some healed stuff. I had some of those and I don't have many more, but it's like a cute look. It feels nice. I don't know. I feel like nice having like an inch or two of lift um, and your feet don't kill. And, and so I feel like not overnight, but very quickly sneakers kind of became the norm um, and designers were like, oh, people aren't buying like Louboutin six inch heels like they're buying cool, cute sneakers. I would be remiss if I didn't talk about Golden Goose, which I is is the topic of hot debate. They are Italian made, you know, well made sneakers with a hidden heel that everyone is obsessed with. They are obscenely priced at like in the six hundred range. It's very dumb, and they look like they've been hit by a truck, so they like are purposely beat up looking. It incites controversy all the time because people are outraged that they look that used. Um, but like it's a vibe and I still think they're cute, which means like marketing works and I have been sold this concept. They are one of the most popular secondhand items and they're a secondhand item that retains more value than like 90% of things. I had a listener slide into my DM saying that she found a pair of brand new golden goose. There are a lot of fakes, but they were real, uh, golden goose sneakers at Goodwill for like $5 and I helped her sell them for like three fifty in like Dang. an hour. Yeah. Now, d- dumb question, but 
if they're brand new but they look old, because that's the whole point of Golden Goose is they look like they've been through a meat grinder already. Like, how do you know? That they're new or that they're real? Both. So they're pretty high quality leather so you can tell from like the inside of the sneaker or the bottom of the shoe i mean they're not so crazily beat up they have like little scuffs like it's like a look yeah um and then fakes you have to be so let's talk about golden goose for a second so buying and selling them secondhand as i said that so you can't get good prices on them i've gotten some good prices because this is what i fucking do for a living they're very hard to find for less than two hundred dollars 180 maybe um depends like right now as i've said at least as of recording this we're still in quarantine like shoe prices are the lowest i've ever seen because people aren't wearing shoes um and they aren't going outside they aren't walking around so it's a great time to capitalize on that and then conversely if you have golden goose shoes you aren't wearing they sell really well they sell really quickly on the internet whether you want to mail them to like a real real or you want to sell them yourself on like a poshmark or an ebay and you need to be aware of fakes uh they are everywhere and really high-end fakes you can they're varying indicators like tags and you can always like google this stuff and look up like varying indicators and a lot of times people will compare a real one and a fake one um when i was in israel last year a year and a half ago um you went to the, like the souk market and they had like very high-end golden goose and as part of their like fake stuff and i was like these actually look big like with a box they come with all this stuff i mean it was it was wild but So these sneakers, they're very comfortable. They have a little bit of a heel. They wear well. So, you know, think what you want on that. Um, But then every other major designer got in on these. Like Gucci has tons of sneakers that people are wearing. I talked about these Louis Vuitton sneakers that these Archlight ones that are like insanely expensive that I got for a really good price and sold immediately because they weren't comfortable. One thing about buying designer sneakers secondhand is sometimes they're just not that comfortable. Um, because the designers are making things that are really high end. Like I'm thinking about a pair of Chanel. I got, well, actually that's a great deal of mine. I got a pair of Chanel sneakers for $50 at a yard sale. It was like a fundraiser yard sale. What a find. Then I sold them for like 600 and then someone bought them from me and then relisted them at 800 <laughs> and you knew who it was oh yeah you were able to like track it i was because um one of the inserts was actually like bruno cuccinelli like they had lost it or whatever so you could tell because it said like one insert and i was like i need their mine but those were a really great find but they're not that comfortable so you have to be careful with the designer sneakers um like chanel sneakers A lot of these sneakers hold a lot of value, so they're hard to find secondhand for cheap prices, and you need to be extremely, extremely careful of fakes. That is one of the most common fakes are designer sneakers, because sneakers are, like, there's already a huge sneaker faking industry. I mean, I've seen fake Nikes for decades in in varying places, and in, I mean, when I was in Mexico City, like, there, I feel like that's already, like, a solid industry. Well, but like Nike is also, it's so, there. how many Nike running shoes are there even made every year? Like so many. It's not like, I mean, yes, it's a, it's a cool brand. It's also a brand that for a lot of people like works with their feet, but it's not crazy expensive. So the whole kind of like Gucci sneaker seems to me like that's just a whole different ballgame. You're not really working out in those. No, you're definitely not working out in them. I guess you can walk in them. I'm trying to think of other like designer sneaker brands. 
So we have Balenciaga who made these triple S dumb shits that I have. They're neon green. They're like three snack- sneakers stacked on top of each other. They're so dumb. And you look like a clown when you wear them. And they're clod hoppers. And you could kill someone with one. Like they are so heavy. They're so dumb. They still continue to sell. You know, like fashion is fashion. There's this whole trend of like really ugly shoes. Like who can make the ugliest sneaker and still like get people to wear it? You know, but the thing with these sneakers is they're hyper trendy. So if you have them, you have to sell them. So I I spoke about this in a previous episode, but for the Louis Vuitton ones that were like heavily sought after, I really wanted them. I got them and I put them on my feet and I was like, these are not that comfortable. And what I want out of a sneaker, like I have said this, I obsessively get my steps in. If I can't take 10,000 steps in them, I'm not interested. That's my barometer. Yeah. No, I, I, that's fair. That's fair. I actually got a, they're more slip-ons than like full-on workout shoes, but these, I wanted some not slippers, not flip-flops, and not running shoes that I could just like put on to go outside really quick. So I got these from Vents on Poshmark. And, you know, they were used and the person selling them was super upfront about the fact that it's like, yeah, you know, there's some, you know, wear and tear, but minimal kind of thing. And when I got them, I realized why I had never got Vint shoes before, because they just suck. They're, <laughs> they're, they're just like really thin and really long. Like as you, as we were talking about earlier, I have a size six foot and, but it's like, they're like too long, but yet like extremely narrow and it's just one of those things where you can see where a brand makes a bunch of shoes that they look really cool but who is this for exactly because they don't work for normal feet so here's an issue with designer sneakers and we're talking about secondhand sneakers in general so like i can lose my mind looking at trying to figure out the best you know cutest workout shoes but i also know that like the nikes i currently have on my feet if i like flip up the tongue it's extremely standard sizing designer sneakers and all designer shoes run so differently so like a vince a theory some of those like um high-end contemporary brands their shoes run really large like in a steve madden shoe i could be i'm not calling them high-end contemporary but like a steve madden shoe i could be a seven and in a brian atwood which i don't wear anymore like high high heels it's funny to think i used to wear those all the time i would be like a nine and a half sometimes even 10 so one thing you have to be careful of with secondhand sneakers that are not like a nike or adidas which have like very consistent sizing is you have to ask a lot about how they fit because for me if i'm not if i'm buying a heel i know what i'm getting into i know it might not be that comfortable but the whole point of designer sneakers is like to feel like you're dressed up but also be able to move so that's something to keep in mind when you're buying them and when you're selling them you have to tell people a lot of different things about them and sometimes measurements and like lots of different designers like i'm thinking about like this the common gucci white sneaker that they've made with they have like green and red stuff on them different like designs and those are popular but with any sneaker with scuffing like unless it's a golden goose which is designed to look that way you know you got to decide like am i going to take all my steps in these or am i going to sell them so with those louis vuitton shoes i knew that like they were very trendy right now and if i got one scratch on them it would tank the price so i sold them for a lot of money but that's just something to keep in mind because again like we've talked about shoes before and footwear in general that it's a tricky thing to sell and it can be a tricky thing to buy because if they're uncomfortable and if they're sneakers, you're like, this sucks. Um, You kind of have to just sell them immediately. Yeah. I am someone who 
does a lot of equal opportunity shopping when it comes to gender. I mean, the future of fashion is nothing new, but I also think the future of fashion is like without any kind of gender related clothing. However, with shoes, when you're buying secondhand designer shoes, you can't buy like small men's shoes. We talked about this previously in Nike and Adidas, how like I can buy a 6.5 or 7 men's or boys shoe and it'll be cute. And it'll fit me. You can't do that with designer shoes. It'll fit really weird. The, it's because they're formed with two like high end leather and and act and like handiwork that they're going to end up weird. Well, and there's probably just less of that too. It's not like I can be like, okay, well, I'll get a three men's Gucci sneaker. Like, where are those? Yeah. And also, they're just done differently. Like, that's where it gets into stylized. So, like, men's, if you're into like, a lot of the promise of like a golden goose is that there's a hidden heel in it that gives you like an inch or two and it looks cool and that's I mean and it feels nice because you get like an inch or two but in their men's they don't have that obviously so like you got to be careful that you're not like because I've been like oh I'll get those those are a 39 but I was like wait they're men's which means they're just like any other sneaker and they're not going to have that heel in them um, so you can't really do interchangeably I mean obviously if you're a dude with smaller feet who wants a boost like by all means but I also think that the the men's and women's like narrowness narrow wise um really makes a huge huge difference um and in general obviously like women have more narrow feet it's not always the case but but that means you like can't really do it um and you have to you have to be careful because they just won't be comfortable at all yeah i mean in the case of my vinces uh which i still have but this may be <laughs> Meredith Feynman, mark my words, this may be the first flip I do because I'm like, oh, these just these I don't like these shoes. It's it's I wouldn't even necessarily want to get more for what I paid for them. It wasn't anything crazy, but I don't know who has narrow feet to the point where they would be comfortable. Like my feet are pretty small. They're horrible shoes. Yeah. I mean, you're taking a gamble. Like so a lot of times, listen, like if you want to I mean, we can't go to stores right now. And when you do and when we are able, please be careful and, you know, do all the appropriate things. But you can try on you might, you might want to try on some of this stuff. I mean, you can do it in IRL consignment stores, which I can't wait to go to. But like a lot of this stuff has to be tried on um, because they're all formulated differently. Like a Chanel sneaker, I could take 10,000. This is the barometer. I could take 10,000 steps in. The Louis Vuitton sneaker, I could not take 10,000 steps in. Golden Goose could take 10,000. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other brands. Gucci haven't tried on. Saint Laurent runs really big. Couldn't take 10,000 steps in them. Um, <laughs> who else? Celine, <laughs> uncomfortable, couldn't take 10,000 steps in them. This is a really highly specific guide. Uh, I'm trying to think of other designers. Balenciaga, those are just, I mean, I guess I could potentially take 10,000 steps in them, but they're too heavy to really be comfortable. Uh, yeah, it's not the um, point. You wouldn't wear them for that. Yeah, no, I'm thinking of all the different, like, that's, that's, that's my personal barometer of how to do it. But... I mean, you could take advantage of the fact that if you do enough research into fit, um, but one of the problems with designer sneakers is like sneakers are supposed to be comfortable and designers like use higher end leather and nicer, more handcrafted stuff, which actually leads it like you have to break in your sneakers, which is ridiculous. It's like breaking in. I mean, who wants to break in sneakers? Oh, but you have to. I mean, my my favorite, my best running shoes, like long distance stuff, like... 
they they're my enemy for a week before they get they get right so that and that kind of comes back to your original point of like if if a pair of shoes is already molded to someone else's feet you'd have to be like win the lottery in order for that to work for you yeah so you have to be careful with that so let's talk about buying secondhand designer sneakers so one you got to really think about the fit and maybe think about how you like the rest of that designer's shoes um, and if you think they're comfortable or not, and if it looks, if they look like the leather's too nice, they're going to be really stiff. And I can't promise that you'll break them in. You can get them for lower prices because, you know, nobody's going outside right now and shoe prices have tanked um, and people really want to sell stuff. And if you're willing to go with a little more wear and tear, you know, people really want designer stuff to be pristine. And so if you're willing to buy something more beat up, the price drops by a bazillion percent. So those are some things to keep in mind. And you can like ask a bunch of questions, but assume there is not universal sizing and, and don't assume that like whatever you are in like Nike or Adidas sneakers is what you're going to be in a designer sneaker. Like they're going to run all different, all completely different. different. Yeah. Yeah. Whole different, whole different ball game. So, you know, if you just want to stand there in your cool sneakers, it's like a whole different thing, but I like to take my steps. So (laughs) when it comes to selling them, you know, is it a really trendy sneaker? And if you get one scuff, like, you know, something to think about selling them while they are pristine and you don't love them that much. You're at home. Try on all your sneakers and like see if you want to start selling them. You know, you got to take lots of pictures of the insides and the tongue and the like where you stick your foot because that gets into like more intimate territory. And sometimes you care and sometimes you don't. And you know, try to, as we've said in many previous episodes and what I taught Meg, he was talking about photographing and stuff, but try to find an original picture of them. It's really easy to like list your sneakers and they look really gross and beat up. So like maybe work on that a little bit. And then there's like a whole world of cleaning sneakers. Sarah, do you clean your sneakers? I was just thinking about this this morning because because all the schools are closed. There's a high school near where I live and my dog Otis and I have been going there in the mornings throw the ball around just so he can like get his steps in and just uh, it's like hot here in the middle of the day but first thing in the morning the grass is really wet and so I'm literally wearing my like hunter galoshes to the high school because otherwise my feet get super wet but I kind of forget (laughs) sometimes at 6 30 a.m. I'm like I just put on whatever she is let's get out of the house you know let's get this over with and so then I come back with like gross somewhat muddy grassy wet shoes and I've been wondering okay well you know my Adidas sneakers for example they're my favorite sneakers currently they look a little worse for the wear but it probably isn't that hard to clean them I've just never tried yeah so as we speak which might upset many people um, a pair of my Adidas sneakers are in the washing machine wow did not know you could do that yeah, if they're more like not not leather, don't put your leather sneakers of any kind in the washing machine. These are like, you know, meshy, I don't know, like like stretchy fabric, whatever. And yeah. you can, you can. Um, you're supposed to remove the shoelace. You remove the shoelaces so they can't get caught and stuff. And you you wash them with like something soft. So like sheets or towels. So they don't just like bang around on like a low setting. I don't know. I'm a monster. I just stuck them in with all my wash and I was like, go. Um, so they usually turn out fine. Um, and it actually works, but if you're cleaning leather sneakers, so I remember doing this when I flipped a pair of Chanel sneakers that I bought that I really wanted to keep, which like I can keep them, but I have a compulsion and I was, I got to like travel, like I, you know, 
keep toiletries from hotels and when I travel a lot and speak a lot, like I had all these little toothbrushes. So it's like, okay, I'm going to clean them with this tiny toothbrush. Um, <laughs> But, like, there's all different stuff on the internet about how to clean your sneakers, specifically from Hypebeast. I watch videos. Like, you need different things. There's, like, special sneaker foams, which apparently you don't need. I talked to some people about it. But I would clean your designer sneakers before you sell them, at least the outside. That can make a huge difference in price. Um, And clean the bottoms. Um, which is usually pretty easy to do and make it look like you haven't taken as many steps as you have. And also for like sneakers in general, for selling them, especially if you're going to get into like the real like intense world of being someone who sells sneakers, designer or otherwise, you got to have the box, keep the box. Um, That's more important for like a Nike or Adidas, like real serious collectors. You got to keep the box, keep the receipt if you can. If they're designer, keep the dust bag, which is the thing they come in. Like keep as much stuff as possible to help retain as much value as possible. And some people like build like shrines to their shoes and I don't have any of that anymore. I think I used to. I bought some Ikea things to shove under my bed recently. That's where my shoes are. Although they're like kind of cute. <laughs> but, I, you know, it depends. <laughs> it depends on what you're one, going for. I have one bookcase that has all my best shoes on them. Only like a couple of different pairs of shoes. But no sneakers. None of my sneakers are on that. They're As I said in the last episode, they're just in bins. Um, cause I'm also not trying to like seriously sell them. Cause again, usually what I do is I take these sneakers and I walk them to a Buffalo exchange or a crossroads and I don't have to worry about selling them on the internet. I'm trying to sell a pair of continental Adidas sneakers, which is like, you would recognize them if you saw them, Sarah, but they're neon yellow and they're very trendy right now, but like nobody wants a sneaker. So if anyone wants them for like $5 on my Poshmark at Fine MC, like, let me know. Cause I can't fucking sell them. I don't <laughs> want them anymore. Take them out of my house. And I can't walk around my building being like, hi, do you want a pair of sneakers? Because I'm going to be like, um, that girl, is, it's not a thing. Right, yeah, like why? What's wrong with them? Nothing. I just, yeah. you know, I got to, you know, I got to put cooler shoes on my on my shoe rack. Well, you know, I'm such a, I once like, you know, sold sneakers to my front desk person that I had never worn like some Air Maxes. Like, I mean, like I've lost, I'm totally crazy in this way. But yeah, most people, if you offer them a pair of shoes, they're going to be weirded out. But I'll be like, you know, listen to it never gets old and then you'll know. So I'm trying to think about other designer sneakers. I mean, everybody is making them now. If there's a designer you like, you can get get a designer sneaker. Uh, Be very careful of fakes. Now's a good time to look at them. Make sure they're comfy. Maybe read some reviews when you can get back out into the world. Try them on and then try to find them on the internet, which is not the nicest to salespeople. I recognize that and you should get your commission. But sometimes I'm just trying to find the secondhand version now. I like the idea of a designer sneaker. Not necessarily going to be running in in it for, you know, miles at a time, but I want it to look good. Where would I start? Yeah, so I would start with a designer you like and whose shoes you're into and whose shoes, like, are comfortable. I mean, relatively comfortable. It's hard to, like, totally tell um, because a lot of these designers, like, you're buying heels or other things that just aren't as, you know, comfortable. So I would start with a designer you like and then... You know, they're going to be more expensive, but look at more expensive places like the Real Real or Grailed or Vestaire or Fashion File um, before you really get into the free for all of like seller, you know, people selling their stuff individually. So that's where I would start. And then with like Nike and Adidas, you can just sort of like poke around. 
sometimes you'll accidentally like really want a pair and they're a very cool like hype beast shoe of the moment and they're like over the price like i saw one and this is something i know less about i saw one on the real where i was like oh those are cute like maybe i'll get those sneakers and it said they were six hundred dollars but the retail price was 250 and i was like listen that is the opposite of what i'm trying to do here <laughs> like that is the actual opposite and then maybe one day all it never gets old listeners can like get together and we can all do a sneaker swap and like meet up and hold hands when we can hold hands again that'd be nice uh, yeah imagine that day can't be far off now until then we will just continue to eat banana bread and applesauce um <laughs> and wear sneakers wear sneakers take get our steps get your steps in safely So let us know what sneakers you're looking for, what sneakers you want when you venture back out into the world, or if you want to sell a pair of sneakers, because we'll be here. We don't have anywhere to go. You can find us online at ingopodcast.com. There you will learn more about me, your host, Mary Feynman, my producer, Sarah Lane, as well as more links and information. You can email us at hello at ingopodcast.com, slide into the DMs on Twitter and Instagram at ingopodcast or at Meredith Feynman, and we'll see you soon. Hope you can get your steps in. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.